Hello there, it's great to see you again. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top regulatory stories of the week. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team, and it's an honour to be in your feed once again. Now, Hewlett-Packard is no doubt a brand name that you're familiar with. Well, the US-based information technology company has won a multi-billion dollar damages claim against the founder and the former chief financial officer of UK software provider Autonomy. It's a fascinating tale of inflated value, an acquisition worth 11.1 billion US dollars, and a former executive's fight to avoid deportation to the United States. It's got it all, and Martin Coyle will give us a blow-by-blow account of what happened in court in just under 10 minutes from now. First up, though, the seemingly never-ending saga of Intel's battle against a 1.06 billion euro antitrust fine imposed by the European Commission. Yes, that's the one that started some 13 years ago. Well, we might be close to the end of the case, with an EU court ruling in favour of the US-based semiconductor chip manufacturer. But is it really over, I hear you ask? Well, not quite. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-in-chief. He's been covering this issue almost since it all began, and he joins me now from Brussels. So, Lewis... I mean, this case started back in the year 2000, so I suppose you could uh, just start by reminding me why it is that we're still talking about it. Uh, Good question, James. Uh, You know, I was still singing soprano in short trousers (laughs) when this uh, case started. And now, um, after, so it started with year 2000 when there was a complaint by AMD, which makes chips against Intel, the world's biggest chip maker, certainly was at the time. And that resulted in a decision in 2009, which was the largest ever antitrust fine imposed by the commission, just over one billion. So it was a really, really big deal at the time. And then it's just yo-yoed up and down the court since um, at the first hearing. Uh, It was a four or five day hearing. I left that to go and get married on day four. Uh, And it was back (laughs) in court uh, last year on its third hearing. Um, and I've had two kids, and they are age six and eight now. So you get a sense for the speed of justice in Europe. Um, I'm not, you know, making any statements about my um, uh, reproductive capacities, um, <laughs> other than the speed of the uh, uh, European judicial uh, system. But why are we talk- still talking about it? Because it was a record fine at the time. It goes to a very key legal question, which is: to what extent can a large dominant company give rebates? Uh, which is a usual practice um, in all sorts of distribution deals. Uh, But if you give a rebate, so in this instance, Intel was giving rebates to um, computer makers, Dell, Lenovo, Acer, um, HP, people like that, to say, look, if you you put our chips in your new laptops, uh, we'll give you a rebate on that chip. And the problem that that uh, caused was that AMD couldn't get into the market because it basically couldn't match the rebate. So at what point does a rebate become exclusionary does it does it squeeze intel does it squeeze arrived off the market and in this instance the commission said it squeezed amd off the market and now three years later uh, three court cases later 2022 after the case started to 22 years now a court has said uh, that was the wrong conclusion all right so where does it go from here given that the european commission lost this most recent court case Uh, is there likely to be another development? Is this going to be one of those cases that will just go on forever and and you'll have time to have another two children? (laughs) Um, 
ask Mrs. Crofts that, I think. But uh, um, I think... Uh, this this will most likely go on appeal again to a higher court. Why? Because it is really a key legal question. It's a legal question not just about the role of, of rebates, but about what the commission has to do to prove a case. And this is wrapped up in sort of how much economics it has to prove, how much it has to prove effects on markets. You know, easy cases are the ones where it's just illegal off the bat. It just broke a law and you don't have to prove that it harmed anyone. Why? Because the laws are set up to presume that harm follows from, from such a breach. In complex economic cases, uh, it's, it involves more maths, it involves more spreadsheets, and more number crunching. And what the court found in this case was that the uh, number crunching of the commission wasn't sufficient to prove that AMD was excluded and that it was harmful conduct. So there is something at stake for the commission. It's freedom or, or, or room for manoeuvre in prosecuting these kinds of cases uh, could be at stake. Also, you know, the biggest antitrust fine of the time is, is also at stake. The commission, when it loses, it generally has a policy of not letting people off the hook. It will go back, correct its mistakes and reimpose the fine. It will struggle to do that in this instance because of the nature of the judgment which found proper mistakes, but there's still part of the case which it could go back and could seek to say, look, okay, the whole case based on a billion euros failed, but maybe we can go back and we can impose 200 or 300 million fine for, for the bit that was really, really illegal. Um, so it, it could, that, that, that is also an option. But either way, it would have to repay at least part of the initial fine, right? And that repayment would have to include interest. So it's not, uh, it's not going to be easy for the Commission to get through this. Um, absolutely. That's the sort of fresh, fresh kick in the teeth after all these years in court. Um, there's been recent developments in EU case law which say that if, you, um, if the Commission wrongly find you and they have to give the money back, that's fine. But um, if the money's been sitting in a bank account, they also have to give interest back, default interest on it. And the, the sort of twist here is that even if the money had been sitting in a bank account and not making interest because in recent years with the, with the um, macroeconomic conditions, there's not been a lot of interest going around. The Commission still has to pay back default interest, even if it might not have made any interest itself on the fine. And uh, that, you know, uh, my, I don't have a computer big enough to, to do that number or a, a maths um, um, certificate good enough to uh, be able to stand behind their calculation. But it's going to be a pretty penny on top of one billion. Yes. What does this mean for other big tech cases? And indeed, what does it mean uh, for the strategy that uh, European Competition Commissioner Margrethe Vestager uh, has in place at the moment? So I think this... this uh, two views of this. The people, the, the large companies, the Googles and Amazons and Facebooks and so forth, who um, might be facing similar kinds of cases, um, they all see this as good news. It's, uh, it's chastising the commission. It's um, a black mark on the commission's um, you know, uh, scorecard. And they will seek to use this to say that similar kinds of cases, which had also, you know, economic calculations in them about exclusions on the market. And this goes for a Google case. It also goes for a Qualcomm case that those ones are now sort of if, if you're defending one of these companies, you're going to feel emboldened by the by the court's results. You're also going to think that um, the court's going to take a very, very close look at all of this stuff and really get under the bonnet. And, you know, they're going to feel pretty pumped about this judgment for the commission side. Uh, you know, this is a decision which is, as I said, a case which is 20 years old. One of its problems was it was born of a rather um, 
fractious internal discussion inside the commission about how to balance the sort of law with the economics. How much, how much number crunching do we have to do to prove our case? And the decision included some number crunching, which in retrospect, the commission said it didn't need to do. It did it in a kind of to cover itself, you know, sort of belt and braces approach. But it, essentially the case is, has fallen on um, number crunching, which the commission didn't think it needed to do. And so, you know, the defendants of the commissions would say this is an old style case from an old era done by, um, you know, officials who are no longer at the commission. There's that, you know, the world has moved on. We do things differently now. Um, you know, other cases have been upheld recently. Uh, even bigger fine, um, you know, a, a two billion fine against Google was upheld uh, by the court. And that actually, you know, while this is um, a bit unsightly and it's um, it's it's uh, not great for the commission to have taken a big, you know, kick in the teeth like this. You know, frankly, the world's moved on and and uh, we do things differently now. Lewis, this has obviously been a big chunk of your life. Let's hope it all comes to an end before you have to uh, claim your Belgian pension. But thank you very much for your work over the years. It's been great fun. Thanks, James. Lewis Crofts, MLEX's Editor-in-Chief, and Lewis's analysis of this case is online and ready for you to read. Our website details are no secret, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. And if you're brave enough to click on the News Hub tab, you'll find a treasure trove of MLEX's analysis and reporting, all on this side of the paywall. It's well worth a visit. Our subscribers, of course, have access to the full portfolio of our Brussels Bureau's Intel coverage over the past 16 or so years. There's enough there to keep you busy for most of the weekend, if that's what you're into. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. I'm James Paniki. Thank you for your company. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, iCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. If you're a regular listener, feel free to leave a review and help us spread the word. Now, Hewlett Packard is aggrieved. And who could blame the technology company? A court in the UK has upheld its claim that the founder and former chief financial officer of software company Autonomy committed accounting fraud before it was sold to HP for 11.1 billion US dollars in 2011. That's right, 11.1 billion US dollars. That accounting fraud, in the view of HP, led to Autonomy's value being vastly inflated before the takeover. As to how much money HP is now entitled to, well, that's a long story. And the future of Autonomy's founder is also facing some uncertainty, and we'll hear why in just a moment. Martin Coyle is a senior correspondent for MLEX. He covers fraud, anti-bribery and corruption, and money laundering as well, and all from our offices in London. And he's with us now. So, um... Martin, last week was clearly a busy one for the founder of Autonomy. Tell me why. Hi, James. Yes, he certainly did. Uh, So on Friday, Mike Lynch, uh, following a near two-year wait, found out that he had lost a blockbuster case bought by Hewlett-Packard over the $11 billion uh, sale of uh, software company Autonomy, which he founded, uh, to HP in 2011. In that long-awaited decision at the High Court in London, Uh, Judge Robert Hilliard said HB had substantially succeeded in its case against Lynch and um, uh, the former autonomy chief financial officer Shushavan Hussain. Now, uh, HP had accused the pair of accounting fraud in the lead up to autonomy's sale. 
so to, to add to that, later in the day, uh, the UK's Home Secretary, Priti Patel, ordered that Lynch should be extradited to the US to face fraud charges there. Earlier in the week, earlier last week, uh, lawyers for Lynch had failed to stall that decision by Patel. And um, the US Department of Justice is seeking to confiscate $815 million generated by the alleged fraud. Now, Martin, can you tell me something more about what the fraud case was actually about and maybe flesh out a bit what the judge ruled on Friday? Sure. Well, the the nine-month civil case was one of the largest ever in British legal history. Um, HP had claimed that Lynch and Hussein had artificially inflated autonomy's revenues between 2009 and 2011, ahead of that sale in October 2011. Now, the pair had denied the allegations. Um, And on Friday, um, at a a packed court in London, the judge read out the summary of his findings. In essence, he said that HP had been induced to buy autonomy through Lynch and Hussein's dishonest practices, I'm quoting there. And to carry on, he said the men had set out an exaggerated fiction of autonomy's business with its reselling revenues disguised and concealed by the pair. Auditor Deloitte, its its auditors Deloitte, which had reviewed the company's accounts, did not see the full picture of its revenues, the judge said. So, but despite winning the case, HP is unlikely to see the full $5 billion it is claiming. Um, The judge said on Friday that it would be awarded considerably less than that. Now, you mentioned in passing the intervention of Priti Patel, uh, the secretary or the minister uh, who was responsible for making that decision. But tell us something about the extradition decision. What was that all about? Yes. So, well, just hours after that court ruling um, and a couple of hours before a midnight deadline that had been set for her, uh, Patel said that Lynch could be sent to the US to face fraud charges, which covers the ground largely covered in the um, the UK civil case. And so does that mean that he will in fact be heading off to the US to fight fraud charges should he start to uh, pack his bags? Well not quite or not not just yet James. Uh, so he now has uh, 14 days to appeal that extradition case. Uh, he's already indicated that he will do so and on Friday his lawyer released a statement on his behalf saying that he firmly denies the charges brought against him in the US and will continue to fight his innocence. He is a British citizen who ran a British company in Britain subject to British laws and rules, and that is where the matter should be resolved. Now, um, that case, or the extradition case, is likely to end up in a court of appeal, so that case could rumble on for years. Um, I mean, if we look at the case of uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who faces US uh, criminal charges and is uh, currently here in the UK. I mean, that case has been going on for years and it still hasn't been fully resolved. All right, so what is next for Lynch, given that he is going to fight those uh, those attempts to extradite him to the US? Uh, so aside from appealing his extradition, uh, Lynch will also appeal Friday's uh, civil trial ruling and his lawyer uh, described the outcome as disappointing, which I think is something of an understatement for for him. Um, So copies of uh, the draft judgment have been sent to the parties involved and they will no, and the legal teams on both sides will no doubt be pouring all over over that. Uh, It hasn't yet been made public. We just got a summary on Friday and um, the judge has described his ruling as exceedingly long. But on on Friday, um, Lynch's lawyer gave an indication of what areas that appeal might focus on, and uh, I quote here again, the, ju- uh, the lawyer said, we note the judge's concerns over the reliability of some of HB's witnesses, 
We also note the judge's expectation um, that any loss uh, suffered by HP will be substantially less than the $5 billion uh, claimed. Uh, so, you know, despite that t- uh, mammoth trial and the, the long wait for the ruling, it looks like Lynch's legal team will be kept busy on two fronts for some time to come, James. Martin, thank you so much uh, to you and to our colleague Annie Robertson for covering this case for us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Martin Coyle is an MLEC senior reporter. He is based in London and his report on the autonomy decision and its fallout has been uploaded to the MLEX website. That's mlexmarketinsight.com, mlexmarketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab for the very best reporting and analysis from MLEX. You'll also find an archive of podcasts, which you may well want to dive into if you're stuck at your desk in the course of the week. And, of course, subscribers with an interest in the autonomy case have access to our portfolios of work, There are three separate files, um, one for the US, one for the UK lawsuit, and a portfolio focusing specifically on Lynch's extradition. So there's plenty of reading for you there. Now, sadly, I have to bid you farewell, but we will be sliding back into your feed next week at more or less the same time. I hope you can join me then. From me, James Paniki, and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.